The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, the sports daily NFL podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Uh, it is some time after the divisional round has ended, and we're not sure when it is because we may drop this bad boy in the feed sooner. Anyway, don't worry about it. The, the point is, coaching news is flying all over the place. We had an emergency Brandon Staley to the Chargers podcast in our live feed last night. Seamless. Like a jam band, just rocking out an emergency podcast in the middle of a Twitch stream. Uh, that's that's how that's how we roll. But joining us to break down all the news, rumors, and everything going around the the great longtime friend Jason Lockenfora. What's up? What's going on, buddy? Quite I guess the I'm intro. Introduce you with your title, CBS Sports NFL Insider. Or yeah, can... whatever, dude. Um, I'm just a fr- I'm just a friend of the pod. That's all. You are you are a, a fop, friend of the pod, fop. This pop is probably doesn't feel like. What's going on with the tattoo, real fast? Not to hijack your show. No, 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 no that's fine. Um, all right, so I actually, we had I, Wilson on my radio show, but it's been like ten days, so I don't, I don't have the latest. Yeah, so he actually mentioned it. He's like, I need to figure out where we stand on it because I'm going on the radio again with JLC, and I know he's going to ask me about it. <laughs> um, so I threw out a theory on the show uh, last night. I think, I, I think it was, it may have just been on the live Twitch stream, but I, I'm curious to get your thoughts. So I think that Wilson is actually thrilled at the idea and wants this to go through and wants this tattoo to happen. Not because he feels like, you know, uh, an inherent need as an honest person to pay off a debt or anything like that. But Wilson is of the age where you start having, and his kids are of the age where you start having a midlife Uh, crisis. Midlife crisis. And I think that this is his way of, like, he can do this and get the tattoo. It'll satisfy midlife crisis, but it'll look like he's desperate, you know, pathetic Dude, not, it's dude. not like buying a Trans Am. Instead, it's a right. Finley tattoo. Exactly. I don't know. He's I like, would take oh, the Trans Am. What are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, I, I, yes, it is definitely like contrarian. It's kind of waving the middle finger at the pack. But he's still going to bear a hideous reminder of a game that was soul-crushing for him at the expense of a quarterback who – I don't even think does he. I don't even know that he sticks around. Like I don't, he's, I don't think he's even Matt Schaub. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's a long-term system guy. Like he's probably out of the league in two years. Uh, that's not disrespect, Ryan. Right. This show. Um, oh, I forgot. I forgot. And saw a Wolfpack. 
Uh, I think Finley. I, I think Finley will hang around for five or ten years in the backup. I don't think it'll be. Yeah, we'll see how long Zach Taylor lasts. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right. Anyway, let's. Uh, well, well, actually, hold on. I mean, do you think? I mean, Zach Taylor got the. He got the. He, he's back. I mean, they they announced he's, he's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, next year is a big year for him. Sure. Oh, absolutely. And if Joe Burrow gets hurt again next year, goodbye, Zach Taylor. Oh. Like, what um, are we done with all the firings? We're, we're not getting like a surprise firing. It better be because I'm done talking about them. Um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully these numbers are going in the direction towards more hires than fires. Yes, I think I'm I'm safe saying that. Okay. Um, we what what's your general thought? You know what? We'll get to uh, we'll get to it in a second. First, let's go to um, let's go let's start to Sean Watson first before we talk coaching firings. Uh, is, is he getting? Tra- I mean, this thing's not going away. Like. Deshaun Watson is pissed, and he's letting everybody he know that he's pissed. He isn't. He isn't. I mean, okay. He's he's very much he is upset, and he's doing a lot of things on social media and social, you know, being sort of passive aggressive about it. He hasn't gone nuclear yet. Even his agent hasn't gone nuclear yet. I mean, no. Anybody who calls me, I'll let you know what's going on and the concerns he has and how bad this is. But I haven't seen. Sean Watson say, I'll never play another down for the Houston Texans. And I don't think he's there himself. But, I mean, I think people are forgetting that there's still an active coaching search going on there. Right. And that the results of that will, will certainly play a role in this. And is it ideal that it took him going sort of nuclear in a passive-aggressive way? Again, not in a trade-me-right-bleeping-now way, which – a lot of people do these days. It's kind of all the rage. It's not like that would be uh, crazy in professional sports in 2021 for a guy to say, I'm not, you know, I'm withholding my services what even, until what you respect my wishes. What even Houston to do it? I mean, right. It, it wouldn't like, be crazy. But he, still, but he hasn't done it. And he hasn't done it in part because, okay, I shouldn't have had to do what I did to keep this from being an inside job across the board. But that doesn't mean that it will be an inside job across the board. And if they hire – Somebody who played football with Nick Casario at John Carroll or the guy who used to wash the uniforms in Foxborough or somebody with ties to Nick Casario's all-pair. I have no idea if he has an all-pair, but you get what I'm getting at here, right? If they hire somebody who grew up in Foxborough and is best friends with Bill Belichick, then I think you might see Deshaun Watson go from passive-aggressive to aggressive-aggressive. But if they hire Leslie Frazier, and if Leslie Frazier and Tony Dungy get on a plane and they fly to meet Deshaun Watson anywhere in the world, and they lay out how this isn't going to be the no-fun team, and we are going to talk to our players, treat our players as human beings, um, create a culture that is very player-friendly. Who, I mean, if you're talking about human beings and coaches who are diametrically opposite, it's Bill O'Brien and Leslie Frazier. Different yeah. sides of the ball. Different backgrounds, different demeanors, different personality sets, different ambitions. It is the complete opposite. So I'm just saying, I, if they hire Leslie Frazier and they keep Tim Kelly in the building as whatever role it is, and they don't mess with that relationship, and they give Deshaun even more of a voice in the play calling and in the game plan week to week, and they lay out a plan for here's the weapons we want to put around you, I, I'm, I don't. I, maybe I'm crazy, but I don't think that it's impossible that he says, "Oh, okay, it's not perfect. It shouldn't have come out that way, but 
you know what, Coach Frazier, you're the kind of guy I want to play football for. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, these guys haven't – it's not like this is a blood war between two people who have lived next to each other for 20 years and they know the ins and outs of everything about their lives and, and who they're dealing with. Like, Deshaun Watson is mad at his owner for getting played by Jack Easterby, and he's mad at the fact that they hired Nick Casario. But it's not like Nick Casario is some slap – you know, from I mean, he's you know, I get that he worked with Jack Easterby before, and you could have concerns about that. That's fine. But this is a guy who's built up. If, if he gets out of his New England cocoon, right? If he hires a coach who has no ties to him whatsoever, you know, but who would make sense for this team and this roster and this quarterback in this moment, then I just don't know that that is an unforgivable sin. He will always probably look at this owner with a jaundiced eye. Um, I am sure, you know, that he'll be watching Casario and, and how the, whether they, they do build around him or not very closely. But the idea that it's with each moment becoming even more impossible that he ever plays for them again, I, let's just let's tone, it, tone it down a little bit here. It's January. Let's, let's see what they do here. They have a chance to swing the pendulum in a in, – in, in this young man's favor in terms of having a future there. Or, you know what I mean, go back and hire Brian Dable. And then, then yeah, it might, it might be, you know, go back where this thing was headed before he went passive-aggressive nuclear and do that, and you, you might as well just. And if they were to do that, that to me would be a tacit recognition that we do just want all those picks for you anyway, and you know what? Forget about it. But I don't think it's going there. I don't think they're even going to talk to Brian Dable. Oh. And I think they're very serious about Leslie Frazier. Okay. So so you're saying that like a, like even Brian Dable, who, I mean, obviously has a lot of ties to New England, and um, but, you know, it's not, a, it's not like a Patriots coach. Like he's not, you know, working in New England right now. He's in Buffalo. But he worked with Casario. I mean, of course. It, this is about having, are we doing a full-blooded, you know what I mean, search here to find the best people possible? Yeah, that's going to send one message to the quarterback. But that's not necessarily the message that they're going to end up sending. Okay, what do you think Jack Easterby would do if he had his druthers and Sean Watson wasn't voicing these complaints? They'd probably hire Brian Dable or, or Josh McDaniels, right? Uh, no, it wouldn't be Josh. Um, they were look. I, I think had the quarterback not responded the way he did, that there's a pretty good chance that this was they were going to you know get a, get an audience with Brian Dable ASAP, and if that went well, he would have been the guy to beat. I do not think they're talking. They have not talked to Brian Dable. I would be surprised if they talked to Brian Dable. Dude, that is crazy that this is how it's playing out. I mean. And I, I understand that, you know, you do need to figure out a way to make your quarterback happy. Um, he's the face of your franchise. I get it. But to allow these sort of feelings uh, in both the GM and the head coach search to infiltrate your decision-making is some high-level buffoonery. Or it's taking him seriously and trying to have him have a role in this thing, even though it didn't go down the way no, I, I people get thought it was going to. I mean, look, this whole book, the, the, I, I, giving a search firm 350, 500,000, whatever it was, to have them run a shadow search while the owner did whatever he was going to do anyway, that is 
anything but functional. That is peak dysfunction to literally be having people interview for a job in real time while the owner is about to get on a plane to go get the guy they really want from New England. Yeah, that's not how it's supposed to work or how it generally does work. Right. But at the end of the day, will this end up at least to some degree with Deshaun Watson's feelings being represented? It it already is because I'm just this is this coaching search was not originally necessarily going to go the way I think it may ultimately go. This is wild. I mean, what a what a world we live in when they like they go in two different like they go in a completely different direction with the GM search, despite what Deshaun Watson had you know intimated to the owner. And then because they made Deshaun Watson so mad, they end up. But here's the thing about Watson: the, the GM thing was never going to be as important as the coach. You know what I mean? He doesn't really have to interact with the GM. And the coach is, and that's the most important relationship in professional sports, right, is head coach and quarterback, if they're not simpatico, if that's not a, a, a sound working relationship. Um, and he's made it clear that he really likes Tim Kelly, publicly and privately. So if they get a player-friendly coach and who has head coaching experience previously, um, who's running a defense that just, completely shut out an offense that was doing historic things. And if people like Tony Dungy, who are involved in the process and have the owner's ear, help create that person, right, help chart that person's coaching career who is now going to work with Deshaun Watson and who is a great communicator and who, I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't love Leslie Frazier. Right. I, don't, I mean, he's worked in five different organizations. Ask anybody there about Leslie Frazier. The first thing they say is, oh, my God, what a, what a tremendous man. So you're going to tell me that Deshaun Watson would absolutely positively say over my dead body, do I throw a single pass for Leslie Frazier? No. That doesn't pass my sniff test. But all this other stuff are great talking points. It is a news cycle that won't die, and I get it. But (laughs) they haven't hired the coach yet. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think that Leslie Frazier is kind of the perfect coach. You know, if you're not going to – if, you know, Eric Biennemi – you know, obviously Watson, um, you know, it, it, it does seem like, you know, Watson, you know, you hear these talks about, he, you know, he has interest in, um, you know, how they handle society, like, you know, they're like, you know, societal wrongs and all of that. I mean, certainly only hiring a bunch of middle-aged white dudes will not go over well with Deshaun Watson, right. you know? And I think Leslie right. Frazier is, you know, I mean, he was better in Minnesota than people give him credit for. Yeah. He, was extremely oh, he was also dealing with the aftermath of Brett Favre, you know what I mean? So it's not like... That was a circle closing there. Like he wasn't, he didn't have an ascending team. That team had crescendoed under Childress, and he was kind of picking up the pieces. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, if Watson got traded, do you think there would be is anybody is there any obvious candidates uh, that could that could like try to pop in and, and make a deal? Well, I think there's. I mean, there would be no shortage of interest. Okay. Um, I mean, you can't tell me Cal Shanahan wouldn't try to trade Jimmy Garoppolo and a bunch of picks back to Nick Casario who drafted him in in New England. Um, The Miami stuff, I I just don't buy. I mean, as much as that's where Watson would want to be, and I know he's got a no trade, I I don't think that's the only team that would be involved. And what's their offensive plan? I mean, what's what's going on there? I mean, this is what, coordinator three or four, depending on what you consider the Jim Caldwell thing? (laughs) You know, I don't don't know. I mean, they're – Okay. 
Um, I, I mean, I think New England. I mean, anybody who you would put in the mix of drafting a quarterback. I mean, the Jets. I mean, who wouldn't? I, I mean, yeah. I Panthers. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it would be a long list of teams who would want to. Right, or maybe the, maybe the better question is, instead of who would be interested, because I, I agree with you, there's a, a ton of teams that would want to potentially get Deshaun Watson. Uh, what what do you think the average price offer is? I mean, if they if they if they traded him, is it a silent auction situation? And then you go back and try to like crank up the the you know what you think you can get for him? Are we talking three first round picks, players coming back? Uh, I mean, how do you think it looks? It just depends on whether you grant the agent permission to seek the trade, or right. you just have him give you a list of teams he would you know waive the no trade for, or you just do what you're going to do, and at the end of the day, say, "All right, here's here's what we got. We got, you know, you got a couple of options. We could trade you here, we could trade you there, but it's one of these two, or you play for us." That that that's kind of makes a lot of sense, and I would I would anticipate that you. I mean, don't you think three first round picks, or maybe two first round picks? Well, they a- may want some player. I mean, I, I think this is one where the the player is so special that I don't think I'm limited to just first round picks. I don't want to limit it to potential commodities that we may or may not screw up. <laughs> I mean, I want, you know, I, I, I mean, like, uh, if I'm, if I'm them, I'm like, I, we, and we want one of your corners, Dolphins. You know, you've paid the big freight on them, you've paid the signing bonuses. We want one of your starting corners, and we want a one, and we want, like, I want some players in there too. Right. I mean, I'm yeah. thinking like Herschel Walker trade. Yeah, if it's me and like for Carolina, for instance, if I'm the, if I'm the Texans, I'm like, all right, look, I'll do, you know, I'm interested in this deal. Panthers, you know, Watson played at Clemson. It's near his house, but you know, like he loves the area, blah, 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 blah. That's a destination he would be, he would consider that rule. He likes as a head coach. Um, we want DJ Moore, Brian Burns, your first round pick this year and your first round pick. Right. And, and that, and that's, that's one where, like, if even if you're the Panthers and the idea of getting Deshaun Watson is really intriguing, you at least have to pause and say, "Man, I mean, is that you know, this is not basketball where you you don't think you don't blink? You give up, you know, two rotational pieces and first and future picks for you know LeBron James or whatever. I mean, this is you know you have to you have to weigh how much those picks and those players, the loss of those guys as assets moving forward, especially in a post-pandemic world." Would, would benefit you. And I mean, I think it's a tough, I think that calculus is really different. Yeah. And I, again, though, I think a lot of this is just an exercise in futility because I, I think at the end of the day, if they, if they handle this, if they get the kind of head coach who has the right bedside manner and has the right vision and has the right temperament and has like some degree of cachet, has, this isn't a hope and a prayer. You know what I mean? This isn't, oh, we think this guy can coach. Has a resume. Yeah. Has the right people around the league advocating for it. You know, yeah, he's playing for Cal McNair, and yeah, he's playing for, you know, Nick Casario, but he's really playing for the coach. Right. Uh, and so it sounds like you would – you think there's a really good chance Leslie Frazier's the guy, and you think there's a really good chance that Deshaun Watson is on the Texans come 2021. I don't think it's it's as dire as some would paint it because there's just too many variables still. Okay, that's fair. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the job openings. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, 
The designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, so as we mentioned, there are plenty, there are... Or there's just two job openings now, right? Or is there one? There's two. I'm losing track of this completely. The Texans and the Eagles. The two, would you say the Texans and the yeah. Eagles, the two worst jobs? Ah! Two worst jobs. No. I don't know what Detroit is. I mean, all right, all right, what am I signing all for there? Let's talk Detroit because, man, I did not see Dan Campbell coming. I mean... I'm not saying it's not going to work, but I think it's interesting when you have people running a search who've never really run a search before. And Rod Wood, their team president, who's not a football guy, but he'll talk about any player on the roster at this point. I mean, he certainly, <laughs> certainly, when you start talking about backup quarterbacks and Matt Stafford and what to do with them, that sounds like football about, talk. He's, Mar- he's like, yeah, you know, we had to cut Marvin Hall. It's like, what are you, what, what are you talking yeah. about? Rod so you got Wood? that going on, and then you got Mike Disner who was helping facilitate the search, who is, um, you know, former NFL management counsel intern, knows the ins and outs of the CBA and agents and negotiating contracts and salary caps. That's what he does. That's his strength. And they hire a first-time GM who, not only is he not in the building, he lives in Atlanta. He's on the other side of the country from the Rams and has no background in the stuff that Disner excels at. Hmm. And you have Chris Spielman, who's been in the building a hot minute, but is a former player and relates to that. And he hires another former player as the head coach. And I would add, so we're paying Quinn and Patricia not to work here. We're bringing in first-time guys who have a skill set that will actually empower the people running this search. And I would also add, I mean, the Lions haven't had uh, what would be considered a a robust – fruitful coach or GM search for quite some time that actually bore fruit. <laughs> um, and now we got more people in the mix and they're doing things that inherently protect their positions and their strengths. And it's people they can relate to with Spielman and Campbell and having played there before. And it's a GM who, who's he going to need? Who's Brad Holmes really going to need the most in that building right now? Mike Disner and Rod Wood. Yeah. So, okay. But maybe it'll be kick ass. I don't know. Yeah. It, I mean, to go, if I'm a Lions fan, to go from Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn and the disaster that that was after, you know, like, not, I don't want to say they were good under Jim Caldwell, but, you know, they, not, multiple nine and seven Stable. seasons, right? I mean, playoffs, like, you feel like you're kind of turning a corner, make a big well, Caldwell's hire. the only time they've hired someone who you knew had done the job previously since the 1990s. Yeah, I mean, the, the only exposure that, that Dan Campbell has is that hot minute. 12 games, yeah. I mean, they fired Jim Caldwell after back-to-back nine and seven seasons. That's pretty yeah. insane for yeah. Matt Patricia. And Dan so, 
I mean, they've wasted Matt Stafford's career. Yeah. So, I mean, is that is that a good job? I mean, maybe these guys will crush it. I, I don't know. Yeah. Brad Holmes is a great dude. He's a really good evaluator. But you need an organizational infrastructure, right? It takes a village. Yeah. Certain villages for a real long time aren't capable of it. And so I, I don't. I don't know, and you're kind of at a roster crossroads, and you got to deal with, you know, with take on Stafford and CAA, and it's a it's it's a first time GM who doesn't have any experience in that realm whatsoever. Never been a part of a restructuring. Never been a part of, you know, he's not someone sitting in on the meetings when they're picking the fifty three. He's on the road. Yeah, that's... I mean, he'll have a voice, but it's it's just so. I don't know, Will. Um, you just go back to all their hires. I mean, you know. What they with Millen and Mayhew and I mean you just keep going back and back and back. It has been a long time since they hired two established people in those two positions. And I know they really, really wanted Kevin Colbert, and there was a lot of back channeling and, and trying to make that thing happen. But at the end of the day, he's not leaving Pittsburgh, um, and they end up going in the complete opposite direction in the wait, end. Wait, wait, they they want- started talking to a lot of people who have done it before and ended up with a guy who hasn't. They wanted Kevin Colbert this year. Yes, I don't even remember reading. Did you? Did you? If you read about that, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Um, no, it's fine. Okay. Wow. How how close was that to actually happening? That would have been. I don't know that he would have ever done it, but they also never got their ducks in a row to a way that would make him wink back. But they there was not there's not lost on people in that Steelers organization whatsoever that the Lions were trying to put something together that they thought could coerce him to doing it. At the end of the day, the timing probably was never going to be right, but Kevin was there in the 90s. Um, there were a lot of people telling the family, advocating with the Ford family for Kevin Colbert. They were very high on him. And, you know, you kind of assess different things, and at the end of the day, it wasn't a match. And, frankly, when you have Rod Wood and Chris, when you've added all these layers of sort of nebulousness between the top football people and the owner – that generally doesn't make those jobs more attractive. Not, not, at, not in the slightest. Um, man, that's crazy. And was there anything to the John Schneider stuff too that they wanted? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, so I mean, but I mean, it does sound like the you know Sheila Hamp who took over for Martha Firestone Ford maybe came in and was like, like we need to make. I don't know if she was her idea or like Rod Woods. Like we need to make a splash. I mean, it does sound like that. You know, they tried to make it sound like they were going after a big name, like a you know Kevin Colbert and a. You know whether the John Schneider thing was legitimate or not, and then you know ultimately, you know it fizzled a little bit. It, it I it's hard to get it's hard to get bullish on the on the Lions moving forward. Um, yeah, I mean, and what's the staff going to look like on both sides? Uh, it'll be it's a lot of work to be done there. Uh, Brandon Staley, kind of a surprise hire by the Chargers. Tom Telesco, uh, former uh, John Carroll G or uh, John Carroll alum. And uh, Brandon Staley coached there as well, so there's that connection. Uh, did you see that coming on uh, on Sunday night? Um, well, I know that they really the, the Chargers um, really were high on Brian Dable and and Brandon Staley. And the way this league works, it had the Bills lost and the Rams won. You know what I mean? And Dable's in for a second interview. It could have been that you know what I mean. They right. they fall in love with him and they don't want him talking to the Eagles or anybody else. And and they, you know, they're aligned with his vision, and he's their guy. Um, you know, Telesco went to high school with Dable, so it's not like there's not the same kind of intimate knowledge there. Ultimately, it didn't work out that way. They were able to get an audience with Staley. The Eagles very were very high on Staley. Mm-hmm. They look at Staley as 
you know, Sean McVay looks at Staley as the defense of him, and they're looking at him as the defensive McVay, and he has uh, he runs a defense, the Vic Fangio defense that they see in Denver twice a year, that they feel like they already have the components to excel in. He brings all that expertise, and whether it's a you know he he's got ties to the Shanahan and McVay family tree on offense. So whether it ends up being Kevin O'Connell and the sort of McVay quick passing offense, or whether it ends up being Mike McDaniel uh, and the run game stuff from Kyle Shanahan, or maybe uh, for, he's able to marry what, both of what, those. For what it's worth, while we are recording this, and you're on your phone, so you wouldn't know, but um, Mike McDaniel, I think, promoted to OC in uh, in San Francisco. So probably he's he'll probably Kyle, Kyle keeps him again. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one guy Kyle does not want to lose. Really. Um, that's the most – he is the most critical non-Kyle Shanahan in that building when it comes to offense. Wow. Um, so, yeah, but, I mean, Staley have, has interest in people from that staff, uh, and so do others. So, you know, he's not necessarily going to get everybody he wants, but they understand the kind of defense and the kind of offense that he wants to run. And, you know, I, 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 I mean – I get that he's not a quarterback guy, but I, I was higher on him than I was Robert Sala. I'm just not buying the cover three Pete Carroll stuff. I didn't see it with Dan Quinn. I didn't see it with Gus Bradley. You better have really specific personnel to be able to run that and, and, and run it at a highly elite level. Yeah. And I'm more, I, I'm more in line with, with Staley's vision. Um, and I just think he probably thinks the game and sees the game maybe at a, at a higher level because of his quarterback background. Um, and so, yeah, I understand exactly what the Chargers are doing. Okay. And uh, Herbert was great. I mean, Herbert was great this year coming in out of the blue yeah. without even a regular offseason and with a coaching staff that was on its way to being blown out of there and that mismanaged games. And he's in a pandemic and he doesn't get normal practice time and all that, and he's still transcendent. <laughs> so, like, you, you know what I mean? I think he's going to be pretty hard to mess up at this point. You would think so. And – I mean, by all accounts, too, you know, I'm, I'm assuming Brandon Staley didn't go in there and be like, here's how the defense is going to work, blah, 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 blah. And, and they were like, all right, what about Justin Herbert? And he's like, who? Herbert? I, right. remember, you know, I mean, like, I, I, obviously, right. this guy isn't going to go in and, and wow over Tom Telesco in the Chargers front office without some plan as to how he's going to handle uh, Justin Herbert. Well, and the biggest issue for that team has been how how is this defense this bad? Like, there's how is – how is this defense not better? Like, there's right. too much invested in it. There's too many good players. There's too many possibilities. Right, exactly. There's too, I mean, and, like, you've dealt with injury. Joey Bosa always banged up. Derwin James has been hurt multiple times in his career, of course. But, I mean, like, you're talking about a bunch of studs. You draft Kenneth Murray. You have tons of dudes on the interior. I mean, it's, it's crazy that that defense isn't a top elite unit. And it does feel like, given what Brandon Staley did, you know, following – I mean, he had personnel there in L.A., of course, really good personnel. But – with the, with the Rams, but following in the heels of Wade Phillips to elevate that Rams defense to an elite level, you have to feel like he can come in and make a pretty immediate impact with the Chargers in terms of what they already have on the on the on the field. I, I think a lot of it is is plug and play and the way he calls a game. Um, some of the other players he developed on that roster, not named Ramsey or Donald. Um, yeah, it's very he's he's a very impressive dude. Yeah. All right. Um, so what does that leave us? The Eagles. Yeah. So what are the Eagles going to do? Because it doesn't, I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I just don't find this Eagles job to be very attractive. And it's, you know, part of it is Carson Wentz. By all accounts, the Eagles are telling everybody you've got to, 
you know, you like Wentz is going to be a part of your future if you're taking the Eagles job. Well, you need to at least have a plan for him if he is. I, I wouldn't say that they're being told you're absolutely going to spend your, you know, your first contract in its totality coaching Carson Wentz. But right. there needs to be a Wentz plan. There needs to be a plan for if Wentz is in the building too. Yes. Yeah. Um, so who, the you know, it's interesting that Jeffrey Lurie, you know, somebody noted referenced Josh uh, in his uh, in his Doug Peterson's fired press conference when he was talking about Josh McDaniels not like bailing on the Colts and that's how they lost Frank Reich, but he called him Josh. You know, is, is McDaniels a legitimate candidate for the Eagles? And if he is, is he is that about him loving the Eagles' job or is that about him being like it might be time to uh, to to jump off this ship in New England? Well. Um, I think it would be about a bunch of things. Yes, he's a legitimate candidate. Um, this is not the Denver Broncos job where he was given an entire building and given it too soon. Um, he's coming in to coach football. He's coming in to have the same saying things that Doug Peterson had, you know, not more, not less. Um, and he has been, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's, his career, I think, speaks for itself. And the, the, there are a lot of people who believe that the second time around will be um, much more successful for Josh McDaniels in a lot of, on a lot of levels, not just in wins and losses, but in how, you know, people are treated and the vibe in the building and um, all that. And the one thing that Bill Belichick has always instilled in his – Proteges, and when it's they're they're thinking about flying the coop, and it's part of the reason that things went sideways in Indianapolis is you better really know that owner, you better know that you can connect with that owner, you better <laughs> have a shared vision with that owner. I'm, I'm laughing. Jeffrey's I'm, I'm, a very different person than Ursay. I'll just put it that way. I'm, I'm I'm laughing at the idea of Josh McDaniels and Jim Ursay like hanging out and playing guitar. Right, <laughs> and not that it has to be chummy, chummy, but your your fate ultimately is going to reside in this person, yeah. and how that relationship unfolds and grows and evolves or devolves. Um, so I, I think you know Jeffrey. That I think that could be. I, I think he would see some things in that that maybe he didn't in the Colts thing, and. <laughs> Um, you're looking at the field, and we, you know what I mean? What what direction are you going to go in? And they don't have anything cooking with college guys right now. It doesn't look like many of them would jump for this job right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Josh McDaniels is interviewed for a lot of jobs. Josh McDaniels had a chance to coach the 49ers before um, that, you know, he kind of pulled out of that, and then it became Shanahan and Lynch. And he obviously had the Indianapolis opportunity, and he's had, you know, opportunities with the Browns in the past. And it hasn't worked out for one reason or another, but could I see it work there? Yeah, I I could. Um, you know, they're going to talk to Todd Bowles today. They really wanted to talk to Brandon Staley. Um, I'm hearing that, you know, they may interview people through the week. When you're the last one standing, if you, if you're, if you assume that the Texans, may, you know, are going to hire Leslie Frazier, then you've you kind of got your time. pick. You know what I mean? Do you want to wait for Brian Dable and talk to him in a couple of weeks or whatever, or – I don't think there's going to be – oh, I know there's not, like, a sense of urgency right now that we got to get this guy, you know? Yeah, and I think, too, you know, go back to, like, 2013, right? And the Cardinals are crushed for missing out on all the candidates. 
you know, it doesn't, you know, they're, they're, they're like one of the last teams hiring and then they end up having to quote unquote settle for Bruce Arians and ends up being a smash home run. Right. Like one of the best hires of the cycle. And I think, you know, now part of that is luck. Part of that is fit, but they were able to be patient. Well, I think part of it was Tressman picked the bear, the bears picked Tressman over Arians. Sure. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, and like, but like it, by being so, by being the last, I guess the point is like the last team thing is helpful. Yeah, if you're smart and it you're thinking about sure. it, you can go out there and find a match. And I, that ownership thing is a really good point. I hadn't, I mean, I'd always, I guess, I'd always sort of, you sort of wonder like why McDaniel's bailed, and it could be as simple as you know the idea of working with Jim Irsay didn't vibe with you know his yeah. his approach to it. And yeah. I could see Josh McDaniels and Jeffrey Lurie getting on the same page, and Howie Roseman being a you know broker in, in the middle of it is yeah. Because I mean, Roseman is obviously safe, and he's in charge of this hire. But I mean, one more bad hire, and he's I mean, how many yeah, yeah, for sure. Back, I guess is my question. Yeah, no, I think this is a critical hire for a lot of people. So you want to make sure the person is definitely ready. You know, this isn't a place where you're going to be given a couple of years of good grace. You know what I mean? Because you're inheriting a poop sandwich. No, they they just you know they were in the playoffs two years ago. Everybody thought they were going to win that crap division this year. Like, yeah, yeah, and it's Philly. Like, there's not, it's, there's no honeymoon. Um, so you want to have someone who you know has the organizational skills, you know, can put a staff together, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we'll see. You know, Todd Bowles would, would make a lot of sense as well. They talk to people on their staff. I mean. Um, I thought Bowles is a better head coach than people gave him credit for. Me too. But the thing about it is his sort of approach and demeanor Philly's a lot like New York, you know what I mean? And I, I just think they were always all over Todd because, oh, he's not more, you know, he's not fiery enough and he's not yeah. yelling at the players, you know what I mean? And it, he's not yelling about snacks. Right, right. Oh, wait, he's not, he's not deciding who has a smoothie at 11, 12 in the morning and who has their smoothie at 11, 44. He must not be hardcore. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, you know what I mean? But the Eagles may not care about all that anyway, and they probably shouldn't, but um, – you know, I, there's some people I really like in the CFL that I've let people in that building know. Hey, why don't you why don't you talk to some of these guys? Ooh, Maybe right they end up hiring as a coordinator. But at, you might as well use this opportunity to be to branch out and think outside the box because, like again, if you're the last man standing, and I mean, what do you? This coach, it's not like you need to have a coach in the building right now. So get funky with it. Uh, yeah, I like that. Um... I'll be curious to see how it goes. Uh, Debo, do you have any questions that you want to ask JLC about the Eagles while we've got them on the, the horn? I'll take that as a no, Debo. Right. Debo, maybe Debo checked out. He might be napping in the middle of the. I didn't hear it. I didn't, I didn't hear anything. I'm, I'm here. No, JLC. I bored him. I bored him to sleep. That's fine. Well, I have that effect on I'm people. here, Will. Will, I'm here. We haven't got to talk to you quite as much. No, you keep every. Yes, Debo, are you there now? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. We don't do we don't do Skype too often anymore, so I'm, I'm getting accustomed to it. Uh, no, I think JLC covered it. I completely agree on the the Chip Kelly experiment and the smoothie references. I enjoyed that. It it took me back to a really bad time during the Eagles, but I'm I'm with JLC, and I I was encouraged by JLC's tweets that I saw yesterday about Josh McDaniels, and that's kind of like the leader in my clubhouse um, in terms of who I want. I think. In a 10-year span, a coach can really improve, even if it doesn't work out when you're 31. I'm I'm encouraged by what Josh McDaniels can do in a second time, and th- those are no questions for JLC. But uh, I'm, I back his support of Josh McDaniels. I appreciate your 
backing. Who JLC? If we're power ranking, so like there's this whole thing about how Debo called these Eagle fans all called Peterson. They call him Doug. Like oh, like what's Doug? Like like they just call like they're, like they're buddies with him. Um, I think if we're power ranking people for Eagles fans to refer to by their first name, I mean like I can I'm already nauseous thinking about them talking about Josh. Like Josh, you know, did you see Josh's game plan? Like I like I'm I'm already annoyed by it. I think McDaniel's definitely the number one power ranked first name Eagles coach, right? Uh so you're saying I don't know uh so in other words, like when Eagles I'm not sure I'm grasping about, the concept. When they talked about Doug Peterson, they wouldn't call him like Doug Peterson or Peterson. So you would but so you're saying Josh is somehow different than like Todd no, or Todd, or Deuce? Uh, I'm just I'm just trying to picture what would be the most what's going to annoy me the most when Debo's and Oh well that's I can't it's I you want me to power rank your degree of annoyance at something that I don't quite comprehend yes, I don't perfect. know that I'm qualified to answer that question that is a perfect pretty perfect description of this podcast actually yeah <laughs> uh, Debo what do you uh, what do you think Josh or Todd well what I do think you want more? I think Deuce is clearly the leader there because right wouldn't Deuce be like I mean everybody Deuce from when he was a player there I mean how would it not be how would Deuce not be the name to beat? We would Deuce never. Would not be annoying. I, Deuce would be annoying in that. But I don't know about the annoying thing. That's the part where I don't. It's hard for me to know what's going to annoy you the most. Yeah, Thank God it. there's not a Pete in the mix. If there was a Pete, then I think that would annoy you the most for obvious reasons. Yeah, that would be annoying. But Todd, I don't think there's any Coach Pete's in Todd, the mix. Todd would be pretty bad, but I like Bowles. But I could see them calling him Bowles. Like if, if instead of calling him Bowles, they call him Todd. It would drive me insane. Uh, instead of Daniels, they call him Josh. That would. That How would do you me. even know? How do you know what they're calling him? Are you listening to WIP at night? How do you even know exactly what they're calling him? Because they all called him Doug Brinson. I, but I, how do you know that? Like from who's they? Eagles fans. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you I'm, sound like Trump. Well, Some say who? Like wh- how many Eagles fans are you having normal sort of interpersonal relations with? One. How do you know what they call them? Just, just one. Just one. Um, Brinson, I, yeah, I thought I we clarified that it wasn't just Eagles fans. Uh, other teams and fan bases do this. Chris Collinsworth was calling them Doug, and I know there's a little bit more of a personal relationship there, but people across the media call him Doug, and in other cities they call their coaches by the first name. I think you're attacking Philadelphia, and I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, like, I think it depends on the last name. Like if, yeah, like Harbaugh, everybody calls him Harbs. You know what I mean? Peterson, you're not going to call him Peds. You're not going to call him Peds. You're not really going to call him Petey. Yeah, that's fine. But Peterson is pretty easy. I guess Peterson is a couple syllables, maybe one syllable too many. Yeah. A, I think you're grossly overthinking this. Um, yes, obviously. But B, I don't know that Todd, Josh, I don't know that any nothing can compete with Deuce. And I don't know that any of the other ones would be different. Deuce, Deuce would be cool. I would like Deuce. Um, all right. One uh, ve- uh, very quickly, uh, thoughts on Urban Meyer and the Jaguars and how that all plays out. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Um, Bear in mind that you're talking to somebody who is blocked by Urban Meyer's wife. And was accosted. I, I just think he's going to, I mean, if he's willing to reinvent himself in ways that probably don't even seem possible to himself right now, if he's willing to do that, get outside of himself, get outside of what it took to connect with 18, 19 year old kids and what it's going to take to connect with the 53 men, because by and large, there'll be men who lead this roster. 
that's been a bridge too far for a lot of guys. A lot of guys who had far less success than him. So I don't know. That, that, I think it's not going to be about X's and O's. It's going to be about Jimmy's and Joe's, and are they connecting with this guy? Are they buying it? Um, do they feel like they're being respected? Um, this is an era how we started this thing, uh, this conversation, where players are impacting the highest levels of the game in ways that didn't seem fathomable maybe even two or three years ago. He's walking into that vortex in a place where nobody's won for any period of time. And I'm old enough to remember Yannick Ngakwe leaving $6 million in legal tender, not Confederate money, legal tender on the table just to GTFOH. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember Jalen Ramsey going ballistic, basically, showing up that owner when he comes out on CNBC and says he'll play this weekend. And that being the last time you ever see him in a Jags uniform or even on a practice field. I'm old enough to remember all the blown draft picks and everything's Tom Coughlin and Tom Coughlin was bad for our culture. You thought Tom Coughlin in his 70s was um, type A and uh, passionate, shall we say? You ain't seen nothing yet. Mm, With Urban Meyer, yeah, that's a great point. Urban is type A. And hardcore. This is someone who would lose once a year and melt down. You're going to lose a couple times a month in this league. It's just how it goes. Right. Absolutely. That's a. It's a good point. Uh, And he got asked about that in his press conference and didn't honestly, you know, didn't uh, didn't really have a whole lot of answers. You know, it's like like it's not and and not not going to matter what what he says. This is all going to. It's just going to depend on whether there is. a connect, um, some real sort of connective tissue and fiber and belief um, between him and these and these players and how he treats them and do we feel like we're cogs in a machine that are only going to be here for a few years anyway and then we're chewed up and spit out and it's the next recruiting class. I mean, it's just it's it's going to be at a at a level far beyond what offense are we running and who's the linebackers coach and you know how we travel on game day it no it's 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 going to be about whether what he sells flies especially once dudes start making more money than him which there won't be too many of them at the start but if they have any success at all it's coming yeah all right that's interesting i i think there will certainly be challenges the assumption from some people like prisco it's like if you screw this up you don't know anything about football it's like uh, that's not how it works man you can you screw up a pretty good situation in the NFL pretty fast and pretty easily. So the assumption that it's just going to cruise control with Urban Meyer, I think, is uh, wildly erroneous. All right, JLC, as always, buddy, great talking to you. Thanks so much for the insight. You're the best. Go uh, go enjoy the day with your family. And your no, no I'm, well, I'm working, but yeah, all good. Uh, well, yes. Thank you, gentlemen. I don't I don't think you're taking. <laughs> nope. There we go. There you go. Everybody, see ya. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.